Welcome to Entrepreneur Decoded, the show which reveals the habits, fears, failures, and joys of today's most inspiring and successful entrepreneurs seven days a week. Now, here's your host, Simon Sander. Without wasting any time, let's get into the show. Mitchell, welcome. Thanks for coming in. Hey, thanks for having me. Mitch is the president of Miram, a marketing agency operating in close to 20 countries with over 2,000 employees. He speaks frequently to diverse groups like Walmart, Starbucks, Microsoft, Twitter, and has shared the stage with former president of the United States, Bill Clinton, Sir Richard Branson, and Anthony Robbins. I hope you don't mind, but I want to jump right in. As an entrepreneur, if you could teach everyone in the world one thing, what would it be? I'll read and read a lot. I don't know that anybody I know who has ascended to a level of success that I really respect. And to me, success isn't just fundamentally about how much money you have in the bank. I think it's one and a very important metric, but not the only one. The people that I really admire are people who spend a lot of time reading. And I'm not talking just about Twitter feeds and link bait. I mean, really spending time in context with longer pieces of text that are either related or tangentially related to your business. For me, um, you know, I, I jokingly refer to myself as an infovore, and part of that infovore is just I try and spend as much time as I can consuming content. And for me, reading and taking notes, and then the output of that for me obviously is sharing of it, which is writing and doing podcasts and writing books and speaking to audiences. Mm. Have you always been the reading type or was that something you picked up later in your career? Much, much later in life, for sure. Um, I always thought I was associated reading with school and I was never good at school. And at one point I sort of realized that uh, I have this sort of meme that goes out across the Internet. And I don't know if I made it up or it's just something I stole and I took. But I often joke and they tell people that, you know, I, I, I didn't want to let school get in the way of my education. And um, that really came to me uh, when I started working in a startup called Airborne Entertainment. And one of the co-founders, guy Andy Nolman, who's <clears throat> become an incredible friend of mine. He's the founder of the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival. Has gone on to have tremendous success. And I walked into his office on my first day of work there, and he handed me a, one of those little Tom Peters books. It was called The Project Fifty. And I just thought, I don't want to read a book. I, I, I left school. That's the reason I didn't, I, I didn't stay in school. I, I hated that. Um, and he sort of pushed and pushed. And I don't know, there's something about the way Tom Peters wrote. Uh, it really in, enlightened me. I didn't. I, I thought business books were like manuals or academic instructions by people who are going to be extremely verbose. And his writing was just such a punch in my face and so salient and so powerful. And that really sent me on a place where I just I, I'm voracious. I just can't get enough. Yeah, there's so many great books out there, but just not enough time. Uh, Mitch, how important is education, formal education, with becoming a business person, becoming an entrepreneur? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I don't think there's a cut and dry answer. There's so many people who, you know, sort of point to the Peter Thiel Foundation of I'll pay you money to not go to college and start your own business, or the other side of, you know, getting an MBA is a great experience, even though it's expensive. There's something about the connections and community and working together that creates very valuable lessons about how to learn and then how to grow that go, you know, that transcend just the, the courses or the teachers or professors you might have. I don't think it's cut and dry. I think everybody needs to sort of choose and find their own path. I don't like, um, you know, it's the old Star Wars joke. I don't believe in the Sith, you know, speaking in absolutes. 
you know, you should go to school. You shouldn't go to school. I, I don't know about you, but if I was going to see a, a doctor, I'd want to be pretty confident that they went to a great school and did well in their class. I think that there is a component of, of value in that or a lawyer. Um, and then other components, and I do think there's, you know, people think, oh, there's no value in an MBA. And I'm not sure I completely uh, comply with that thinking. Yeah, there's so many entrepreneurs who have gone through formal schooling and have been really successful and other way as well. So every individual is different. Um, you said that you're a big fan of books. Could you recommend one or two to our audience? I don't think there is sort of one or two macro you know, someone said to me, what's a great book on presentation skills? I might be able to pop one out or on leadership or on marketing or on entrepreneurship. or on... So I don't look at it like there's one or two that like you have to read. And as much as I love the sort of uh, mountaintops of that world from your Malcolm Gladwell's to your Tom Peters and your Seth Godin's, I, I don't I'm not sure that I would just go like you have to read this. I think it's what are you looking for? And is there somebody who talked about this topic in depth uh, that you should check out? And I, I, you know, the answer to that question is is yes. It just depends what you're looking for. Amit, you're president of a company with more than 2,000 employees. I really want to ask you the following question: What is something you're not as good at? Oh, there's tons of things I'm not good at. I mean, I think if anything, there's only one thing I'm good at, and I'm not good at anything else. You know, I'm not good at the accounting side of it. I'm not good at the scoping of the work at it. I'm not good at understanding user flow and experience from a tactical, how does what consumer get from one place to the other. I'm not good at designing. I'm not good at establishing a full-on strategy that includes, you know, analysis of marketplaces. I mean, I could go on and on. I've, this is why we have, you know, almost 3,000 people in our organization. They are the people who are so good at the things I'm, I'm not good at. Um, and I'm 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 hopefully humble enough to know that uh, I'm I'm not good at anything. I'm I'm good at one or two little things. Mitch, I really appreciate you being so honest and open about your weaknesses. I really appreciate it. And let's go to the other end of the spectrum. What are some things you're really good at? I think I'm good at taking ideas that are out in the marketplace and distilling them down into something useful that any business can think about and use. I think I'm good at getting up on a stage and communicating trends, movements, and ideas to a large audience in a way that impacts the individual sitting in that audience directly to how their business can move forward. I think I'm strong at having conversations with people that illuminate ideas and others when they hear those ideas. I think I'm okay at writing and communicating thoughts and ideas of how you can grow your brand and your business and your marketing um, in, in writing. I think I'm, I'm good at getting people to be passionate about the work and excited and, and, and deliver on the work that we have to do here at Miram. Things like that. There's this question I've been asking from the entrepreneurs who've been on the show and I've been getting really good answers. So I want to ask the same question from you as well. What is one thing that you do that you feel has been the biggest contributor to your successes so far? I think if I were to think about that thing, I, I don't know, right now, as I think about it, I'm being driven to this book by Keith Ferrazzi called Never Eat Alone. And I really took the learnings of that book and networking, which I was already doing before it. But really, when I read that book years and years ago, it really crystallized for me this idea that there's three opportunities, maybe four every single day where you can spend time with someone else in a way that helps them grow in a way that helps you hear their story, 
in a way that helps you build a network and connections to people. And if you spend those moments, breakfast, lunch, dinner, coffee break, um, alone, you're probably creating career limiting moments at least three to four times. And my life changed a little bit since then. I have a very young family. So dinner is, is kind of sacred time where I'm, I'm home and, and doing that. But I, I literally just walked out of a, a, a very early morning meeting with a young entrepreneur. And um, as, as much as I, I think based off of their feedback, help them with their business, I, I think I learned and came out of there with four or five ideas that, that I'm going to work on. Never Eat Alone is a really interesting concept and a great book. I highly recommend checking it out. Let's talk about surrounding yourself with uplifting, positive, and successful people. How important is that to you, Mitch? Well, I don't, you know, I don't know. It depends on how you define success, and I think we all have different benchmarks, and that's fine. For myself, I wouldn't say success. I would say smart, and I'm I'm voracious about that. I, you know, I used to collect comic books, and now I collect smart people, and some of them are dead. I just read them in books and I read their or listen to their work on YouTube. That to me is um, it, it's just an opportunity that I don't ever want to take for granted. What are your thoughts on uh, spending less time with people who are not uplifting, who are negative in your life? I think people live on a prism of 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 what they consider to be realistic goals and most of those people on that prism are on or that spectrum are on that spectrum based off of their own history or their own impression of others. And they're projecting those impressions onto us. And so when I had more negative inputs into this, I have to tell you a personal story about this. My, I remember my wife, she um, was my you know, girlfriend at the time and she was managing a very successful restaurant and I was starting a business, the business here of starting it. It already existed. I joined and I would say things to her like, you know, next year our income could double. And she said, what are you talking about? That's impossible. And we live in a world where people are lucky to get three to 5% uh, salary increase. I said, no, but I'm an entrepreneur in business. We could double the size of business, double our business. Double. And she just, she couldn't wrap her head around, not because she's not smart, not because she's not supportive. Her environment dictated that she was not an entrepreneur. She had worked her whole life. And that was the cycle of which she most understood and that even the businesses she was in would do incrementally well and it would do better and better. But it, it wasn't something that necessarily she felt super brilliant woman, you know, awesome. But her understanding of the entrepreneurial journey was was limited not by her own ineptitude, by her lack of just being exposed to it. And so I'm very cautious with both receiving advice, positive and negative, neutral, or giving it. And what I do is I always let people know that like there's a life cycle to a business. Like it sort of starts and it goes up over this hill and then down the hill and down to the valley. And I tell people like right now, when I give you advice, remember I'm projecting, I'm projecting my own experience. One and two is where am I at in that life cycle of the business that's going to go up that hill, then down the hill, then into the valley, and then hopefully up into the next hill. And so understand that in your journey, you're probably on the extreme left side, just starting your journey up the hill. Currently, where I'm at, because we're post-acquisition and growing this business, I'm on the other side of the hill. 
you know, I'm over the hill. They might <laughs> would be probably a funny use, you know, saying for that. Um, that doesn't. There's nothing wrong with that. I love where I am, but you have to understand where I'm at in my journey and how I'm projecting my own emotions on you. That's the most important thing. I don't, you know, if you you, you know you can't do this. You're. I mean, you had you said to the person who founded Cirque du Soleil. You know, I'm going to do a different circus. We're not going to have animals. We're not going to have trapeze. We're not going to have clowns. It's good. You would have said to the person, you're an idiot. Nobody even cares about the circus anymore. So there's also perspective of having a vision for something that what's an entrepreneur? An entrepreneur is someone who has a vision for an industry that doesn't yet exist or exists, but they have a more efficient or different way to do it. Now, different and more efficient way. Both of those would intimate right away that there's something that there's something there that other people have yet to see. I want to touch on the topic vision a bit because it seems like it's a really important topic for you. What's your vision for next five to ten years? Hmm. Um, it's hard. It's hard to answer that question. Um, and I'm, I, I jokingly tell people that I'm a presentist, not a futurist. And the reason I say that is because I can look at a million things from YouTube to Facebook and what my sentiment was in the moment pre-massive growth. And I'm not sure I was like, nailed it, totally called that. So you have to have humility to know that. I can look to the world and see that we are moving towards a world from you know, web and mobile to virtual and augmented reality. I can look at a world and see we're in a world of data analytics to big data to AI and artificial intelligence. I can look to the world of we're building a lot of web-based, mobile-based pieces of software, and we are going to move to a place where it becomes formally automated, and it already is, and it's moving there. I can see a workplace where we're going to be creating things like robots and 3D printing, um, and that's going to create and engender an entire new industry of worker jobs, job descriptions, job titles, job opportunities that, that don't exist today. And I feel like when I say any of those, it's same old, same old. Everybody says that and tries to look smart saying that. So I don't think it's anything beyond that. Um, but I, I love Tim O'Reilly from O'Reilly Media. I just saw him speak, and I've been blogging a lot and talking a lot about this thing he said, which is, um, you know, he says he, he says that I'm not sure if it's him or he was quoting someone else. I want to be clear. He said, you know, technology happens really slowly than all at once, and I think that that's really where I see the next five or ten years. Is it's going to go really slowly and then happen all at once. That's a really interesting thought because life passes by so quickly and five to ten years might seem like a blink of an eye. Yesterday seems like a blink of an eye. Uh, Mitch, are you intentional about how you spend your days and are you mindful and trying to be present every single day when you're alive? It's hard. I think anybody who's a dreamer and anyone who's thinking and imagining a future that doesn't yet exist has a hard time being very present. I often threaten that I need to get back to my meditation routines that I've let lag. I often threaten that I should probably take a transcendental meditation class so that I could be more present or mindfulness and read more and engage with that. I'm supremely fascinated in all that, but I'd be lying if I said I have a daily ritual that allows me to really live and breathe there. I really do try when I'm hearing people speak to me when I'm at those breakfast, lunch meetings. I try and be very in the moment, and the way I anchor it is by taking notes. I always carry around some form of notebook with me, whether it's digital or physical, and I try and really capture the moment. I find that that forces me to think about now, 
but I'd be lying if I said my mind isn't always wandering when someone's talking to about where does that mean? Where's that going? How's it going to be? And Mitch, I want to come to present day and talk about daily habits and daily rituals. Is every day different for you or do you have an average day? You know, one thing is I don't, I often shy away from those questions only because who cares? Who cares what I do versus what you do? I don't think there's anything in the habit that makes the output relevant, to be honest. It's just my own thought. Uh, but but when it comes to the, the pragmatics of it, my rituals change on two, two, two sort of spheres. One sphere is when I'm in the city, which is either Montreal or Toronto, where my core offices for Canada are, or when I'm on the road. And so those are very varied daily routines. If I'm in the city, you know, typically very early morning type of person, uh, you know, caffeinate, write, go through emails, think, prep the day, run the day out. My calendar is usually quite full. When I'm on the road, it depends on travel. Usually it's a very similar system, but it's happening in airport lounges, hotels. I, you know, candidly, when I am in a different city, I tend to spend more time outdoors. So uh, not to just explore and be out there, but I believe it's really a gift that I've been given to be able to travel and speak to audiences all over the world. And I sort of feel like I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not really taking it all in if I'm doing that by just staying in the hotel because I have a lot of emails to answer to. So I try and do that later at night when I probably should be sleeping. We had Mark Manson on the show with. a week or two ago, and he's a really great entrepreneur. He traveled the world for seven years, and he wrote a really good blog post on his blog, which talked about loneliness on the road. Mitch, uh, you travel a lot. Does it ever get lonely for you? The road is terribly lonesome, yeah. And I, in fact, I, I people say, oh, you travel all the time. And my answer is, well, I travel a lot because I'm always coming home. So I don't go out for long spurts. I really, it's very rare that I'm out for you know, two nights in a row is very uncommon for me. I have a very young family and I'm trying, I, I am not trying, I'm very present in their lives and here. And they know that even if I'm gone for three days, they'll see me that one morning. They won't see me that one night. They'll see me either the next night before they go to bed or the next morning when they wake up. Like that's sort of my schedule and system when I can control it, which I, which I usually can. But, you know, candidly, I find it very hard. I find it very hard to be on the road. It's very – I know as an external person, when you're seeing Facebook and things like that, it looks so exciting. But when you're in it, it's, it can be very lonely for sure. I mean it's a lot of flight delays, a lot of airport lounges, a lot of hotels and eating alone um, when, when you, you, know, you want to sort of never eat alone to quote the Keith Ferrazzi book again. Um, And yeah, you're definitely, you know, if, you're, if you have a spouse and you have children and you're alone, it's, you know, you don't have the hum of the, of the family unit. So there's only so much that FaceTime compensates for that. But don't cry for me. I'm, I feel very lucky that I can do what I do. We won't. Uh, Mitch, I want to end today's talk with the topic happiness. What brings you joy and makes you happy in this life? Health, good health, health of my immediate family, health of my friends. Um, laughing, writing, spending time in the park, um, watching my, my friends succeed, feeling like the stuff I created has meaning to others. Um, yeah, those things. You've been so generous with your time, Mitch, and I know you're such a busy guy. Thank you so much for coming in once again. Do you have any last piece of advice for the audience? 
Well, again, two things, right? I'm projecting and think about where I am in this in the in the, in the spectrum of the business cycle. Um, it's not easy. It's not hard, and there are no overnight successes. I love right now in Canada we have a very massive company called Shopify that's a three billion plus market cap on the you know it's a triple triple unicorn I guess a dragon, and um, everyone sees them as this overnight success. And I know the founders really well. It's been ten years of really hard work. Um, so if you're going to apply technology to work, why shouldn't business be the same, right? Business happens really slowly and then all at once. Great parting piece of advice. So what's the best way to find your line and connect with you? I'll just Google Mitch Joel. You can find me. Thank you once again for coming in and sharing your journey with us. Thanks for having me. Great questions. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneur Decoded. For killer resources and free content, go to entrepreneurdecoded.com.